Last week we started this mini-series diving deep into what we value as a church. Uh, we live to love people to life. That's the, uh, the, the mission, the, 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 the vision that, that, that we're on. That's what gets us up in the morning. Uh, I, I, and I, I told you last week that, uh, that we came to that specific mission or that specific statement uh, in part because of what we value as a church, the things that, that we hold dear. There are certain things at the core uh, of, of who we are that make a difference in, in what we do and in how we do it. And, and so, uh, as we think about the core of something, uh, we're talking about the center, right? Uh, the core provides stability, like when you're encouraged to strengthen your core. How many of you have gotten one of those big, uh, replaced your desk chair with one of the big balls, right? Yeah, me neither. Um, but uh, I did have one of those big things once for a little while. That was, is that even a thing anymore? I don't know that that's a thing anymore. But we've got to strengthen our core, right? I, I remember uh, soccer conditioning and like uh, all of one whole practice was all just about strengthening our core. And we were like, I don't know, crunches and, and uh, sit-ups and, and man, these, oh, it was these painful things straight from the, the hot place where, where you're, you're laying on your back and your legs are up like six inches off the ground. And then they make you like spread your legs out and they're still like six and then you back. And it, you know, you'd think, okay, no big deal, but it was a big deal. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, strengthening our core so that we were ready. I mean, I, I hated that, but, but those muscles around our middle, uh, kind of coordinate and help strengthen, uh, our lower body and our upper body. It's not just athletes that benefit from strong core muscles, uh, everyday tasks, uh, mopping the floor or, uh, reaching up to grab a glass off the top shelf or, or playing ball with the kids in the backyard. All those things are benefited by having a strong core, a core the, a strong core, it gives us stability. The core of something also uh, provides power or energy. I, I think about uh, the, uh, a, a, uh, I don't know how it works, but, but a, a nuclear uh, reactor has, uh, has a core. The, the nuclear reactor core is the key component in, uh, in nuclear fusion. Um, it's, it's where reactions take place, where the, the heat and the power are generated, and, and, and of course, Everyone knows that the the warp core is where the power came from uh, for the USS Enterprise uh, to take it where no man has gone before. I mean, you all you all know that it was the matter antimatter containment shield that kept the uh, uh, all the the stuff together as they used the dilithium crystals that Mr. Scott was always trying to get uh, get fixed in just the right time. I can't give it anymore, Captain. The worst Mr. Scott you've ever heard, right there. Um, just kidding. It, it's fiction, but uh, but still, that uh, it, it illustrates that example of uh, of core. The core provides power. The core provides energy. Uh, it's where where that power and energy is produced. Uh, yet another aspect of of a core uh, is is that the, a core determines what is reproduced. Uh, and, and again, we think about the apple there. We've got the, uh, the apple cores up there uh, and in, the, in the artwork. The core of an apple is that denser, more fibrous section uh, in the middle where, that we don't usually eat, uh, and it, it protects and it holds the seeds, right? And, and the seeds contain everything necessary to create more and more apples, uh, in a very real sense, then, the core determines and protects what is reproduced. Uh, 
Kind of interesting to think about that uh, then when it comes to organizations uh, and to people. What, what, what are our values? What's at the core? It really matters what, what is fundamental to us, right? Uh, it, those, those are the things that give us stability and strength and energy, and, and they determine what we reproduce. What we hold at the core of our lives is essential to staying on track in our personal faith and then, uh, in this case, as a, as a church. And so last week I, I gave you the list. We have four essential things that we hold at the center of Medina Church of the Nazarene. Uh, we value intimate relationship with God, investment in relationships, involvement in ministry, and indulging in laughter. Probably in that order, uh, but uh, they are all essential to, uh, to, to, uh, to who we are and what we do as, as a church. And I hope you've been doing, as we, we kind of uh, drilled down deep last week on that uh, intimate relationship with God, I hope you've been doing whatever it takes uh, throughout the week to uh, to develop that relationship with God because it's it's fundamental once we have our relationship with God and we're 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 in relationship with him and that's a growing and maturing thing uh, then and, and then and then we have to be investing in our relationships with the people around us and that's the uh, the second one on that list our, our world today is is more connected than it's ever been uh, just a couple of weeks ago, our family talked face to face with Ani. Uh, many of you knew Ani. She, many of you don't, I guess. She was our, uh, uh, we had her as an exchange student in our house for almost a year, about, wow, it's been like four years ago. And, uh, and so anyway, just a few weeks ago, uh, we were sitting at our kitchen table talking face to face with Ani, and she lives in Helsinki, Finland. And so she's, uh, she's in, in her apartment in Helsinki, and we're in, uh, our living room, or our, our, uh, dining room in, uh, at, kitchen table at uh, in Medina, Ohio, and we're talking face-to-face. We are more connected than ever before. Uh, just because of technology, I mean, it amazes me, just, just crazy that, that that could be possible. Uh, I've loved being able to, uh, to reconnect with, uh, with friends uh, because of Facebook and other things. We were just at, down at uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene University this weekend for homecoming. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that we saw, but we were all, it wasn't like, oh, what you've been doing for the last 10 years. We all know what we've been doing for the last 10 years because we've been stalking each other on Facebook all the way along, right? So, uh, so oh, yeah, how'd that thing go three weeks ago? And, uh, but it's good to connect face-to-face as well, because uh, uh, literally we have the, uh, the, the world at our fingertips, we have the world uh, on, our, on our screens, on our devices, and yet uh, I think sometimes that connection, we, we settle for a, an electronic connection, uh, but, but I wonder if we're really being connected or if it's just a pseudo-connection, and sometimes I think it could lead us to being more isolated than ever. We see all the good stuff that everybody posts and we wonder what we're missing out on. Uh, that's probably another sermon. But uh, in this age of technology, I, I don't want to ignore things like social media because uh, it's legitimate ways to connect with people. And uh, literally, you could have stayed home today. I, I, man, I shouldn't say this, but you, you could have watched the service. Right now, we are streaming the service online. And you could have just stayed home. And uh, you could have, or you could have dialed in a much better preacher than this one. And you could have uh, uh, dialed up some professionally done worship music. Uh, and you could have had a significant spiritual experience all on your own while still in your bathrobe. I don't know if you wear a bathrobe or not. You don't need to tell me. But um, uh, there's, there, there's one thing, though, that convinces me that gathering for church physically in the same place uh, won't, 
won't ever go away, or at least it shouldn't ever go away, and that is the personal connection that we have, that we need. Uh, we need relationships, we need community, we need each other. And so although we stream this uh, in case you have to miss, the, 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 the desire, the hope, the goal is that you don't because we need each other. At the core of who we are as a church is the need to invest in relationships with people. Well, what does that look like? Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we were in Philippians 3 last week. We'll just go back one, uh, uh, one chapter. Philippians chapter 2, the first four verses is where we'll start today. And, and I want to read it out of the message paraphrase because I love the way, uh, the way it says it here. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ... If his love has made any difference in your life, if, if being a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Don't push yourself aside and, and help others get a, Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I heard about a pastor who had uh, noticed that the general friendliness of his congregation uh, was lacking and, and so he thought he would initiate a, a little thing during the, uh, the, the, the service in order to kind of help that along. And so one Sunday uh, during the announcements he said, well next Sunday we're going to start something new. Uh, we're going to have a little meet and greet time during the service and, and uh, at one, we're going to turn and, and, and I'm going to encourage you to turn side to side and shake each other's hand, turn front to back and, and, and greet each other and, and just be, you know, just build friendships and, and be friendly. And, uh, and, and also be friendly to those that you might not, not know, maybe people that are sitting around you, that you don't know very well, maybe they're visitors. And, and so he made that announcement and then they went on with the service. And at the close of the service that day, uh, the, the, uh, one, one, uh, lady was gathering her things and the man behind her, uh, extended his hand and said, uh, said, well, good morning. She was kind of taken aback and clutched her, her belongings and said, I beg your pardon. That friendliness business does not start till next week. Truth be told, I think most churches describe themselves as being friendly, and they probably are for the most part. Uh, I think we tend to be, we tend to think we're more friendly than we come across sometimes. But, but, uh, and maybe this is this is controversial to say, but but God did not create the church in order to just be friendly. I, he doesn't want us to just be nice people, smiling, kind, not saying anything mean. Uh, I, I mean, we need to do those things. Don't go say, well, pastor doesn't want us to be friendly. Uh, that, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I, God doesn't want us to just be friendly. He wants us to be friends. <laughs> he wants, to be, wants us to be deep-spirited friends. And there's a big difference. I mean, I can be friendly to the cash, cashier at Drug Mart when I, go, when I head past it after church today. I can stop in there and I can be friendly, but we're not deep-spirited friends, right? I, probably over time, maybe we could develop that friendship. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, friendship takes effort. It, it means spending time together. It means being truly interested in each other's lives, listening, laughing, crying, walking through life together. Uh, Paul there in Philippians doesn't say, be friendly to each other. He says, be deep-spirited friends. Very early on in uh, uh, my time here, so I said 16 years, uh, probably 15 years ago, I don't know. We, we were kind of noticing that, that everyone seemed to come in on a Sunday and find their spot 
And, uh, well, that's another story. Uh, there, more than one occasion, there have been, has been some, I won't say their names to protect the guilty, but there are, more than once, someone made visitors get out of their spot. But that was, that was a whole other thing. I hope we're not doing that. Uh, but, uh, it, so come in, find your spot, and then we did do the meet and greet thing. Uh, uh, different times throughout the years we've done that, but uh, they were used to that, and so that's what we did. And But we noticed not a whole lot of people would like chat in between uh, before church or, or, or whatever, but then we'd say, okay, now turn and, and greet each other. Well, then it was like we'd flip the switch, and then everybody's it was like they were waiting for permission to, uh, to, to go shake hands, and, and then we'd come back together. And uh, Anyway, uh, it was... I, just something we noticed, something something I noticed, and so we intentionally did away with that meet and greet thing. And you'd think, well, uh, that's that's uh, you know maybe counterintuitive, but uh, we did a, d- away with it, and then people actually started talking to each other more before and after the service. And now I'm turning the lights off on you people at 12:45, and you're still talking to each other. Go home. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do that. It is a it is a, a sign of a healthy church when we are building relations. That's, a, that's a, an indication of deep-spirited friendships being built. So, so Paul says that's important, but why? Why would deep-spirited friendships be important? Well, one reason is that because I, I can't truly live my life for God by myself, on my own. And you can't do it either. We need each other. We've been created to live in community with others. Uh, life in this world, uh, the basis of that is, uh, is one of the bases is uh, founded on relationships. We need each other. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We are better together. We make each other better um, in the, in the conclusion of his, of his book, The Connecting Church, Randy Frizee writes these words. He says, I have a son who was born without a left hand. One day in Sunday school, the, the teacher was talking to the children about the church. And to illustrate her point, she folded her hands together and said, and you've probably seen it before, uh, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. And then she asked the class to do it along with her, and obviously not thinking about, Frizee Frizee, uh, writes, obviously not thinking about my son's inability to pull this exercise off. In the next moment, it dawned on her that my son could not join in, but before she could do anything about it, the little boy next to my son, a friend of his from the time they were babies, reached out his left hand and said, let's do it together. And the two boys proceeded to join their hands together to make the church and the steeple, and they opened those doors, and they saw all the people. Frizee went on to write, this hand exercise should never be done again by an individual because the church is not a collection of individuals, but the one body of Christ. We encourage each other, we support each other, we, we provide for each other's needs, we are accountable to each other, we learn from each other, together we grow in our relationship with God. And, and when you're not here, you're not a part of that, then you'll miss out on that. One, one big way that we try to foster this investment in relationships here at church is, is that we don't just have a time to gather in rows like this. 
uh, facing forward, all in rows. It doesn't really build relate. This is uh, primarily focused on building our relationship with God, right? We gather here primarily to know God more uh, and, and for for our lives. But then, then we also will always have times uh, for people to uh, to gather and to face each other in in circles. So we we want to gather together to interact. We have classes and we have groups and we have Bible studies, not just to get through the study or to 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 make sure we cover all the material. But we, one, one big thing, just as important, is that we connect with each other and, and we help each other to connect with God. We can't, as a church, we can't force relationships to happen, right? Uh, you be friends with you and you guys are together, now you're friends. We can't force that, but we can provide environments where relationships could develop and grow. And so we want to always be doing that uh, because that is one of our core values uh, to be investing in relationships is one thing that you will always see around here is is opportunities to be part of a group. Uh, That You can can do that. We've got a couple of uh, adult Sunday school classes meeting every Sunday at 9.30. Uh, Our our life groups are just just a couple of weeks away. I'm wrapping up this fall, but they'll kick off again in January. Uh, The ladies' Bible study on Thursday mornings. All of those opportunities and more are are, uh, there and will always be about gathering people together face-to-face to develop those relationships. And, and I, I alluded to it last week, but it, this isn't just about you. It's not that I'm coming here so that I can benefit from these relationships. Relationships go both ways, right? And so when you're not here, we miss you. It's not just, oh, we miss you because we were going to write your name on the sheet and now we have less to count. That's not, it's not about statistics. It's about the fact that we miss your input in our lives. Uh, we, we are better together and, and when other things take precedence over being active in the body of Christ and with each other in the body of Christ, we all suffer for it. I witnessed the, the, the church in action this week and I don't want to give too many details but just want to say that, that there, someone in the church uh, hasn't been able to be here for a while due to, uh, due to a work schedule and um, and so a, a few days ago, several of us met with this person uh, just just to talk and to share. And we listened, and we we uh, looked at scripture, and we we prayed together, and we talked some more, and we listened some more. And and uh, in in that in that room down this hallway, uh, th- those were some holy moments. Uh, I witnessed deep spirited friendships. It's at the core of who we are, as we care for each other. And we love each other deeply. And we help each other love God more deeply. In, uh, in looking at this passage in, in Philippians, we can see that these connections need to be characterized uh, by a couple of things. There's a whole lot, but just a couple of things to pull out of that passage there in Philippians chapter 2. The first one is unity. It says that we need to agree with each other. Of course, we're not always going to agree with everyone about everything. Uh, it doesn't seem to, to happen. Uh, we don't have to always be on the exact same page all the time. Uh, Ephesians 4 uh, it calls us to this a little bit as well. Ephesians 4, verses 3 through 6. It says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
our, our one spirit and one hope and our, our one faith and one baptism and one God, all of those, it, it, we're all united in those things. And they unite us together. And see there, it says make every effort. This doesn't just happen uh, just uh, by default. It, it takes effort to be unified. Uh, we don't default toward unity. And most of that effort, I think, revolves around developing what uh, uh, another characteristic of these relationships, and that is humility. I think we, we, we need to develop this humility. Uh, verses 3 and 4 says, uh, don't push your way to the front, don't sweet talk your way to the top, put yourself aside, help others get ahead, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Or in the, in the New International Version, it says it this way, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Or uh, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. T.S. Eliot says about humility, he says, humility is the most difficult of all virtues to achieve. Nothing dies harder than the desire to think well of oneself. Author and researcher Peggy Rosenthal says that in our vocabulary, few words are used more than self and its combinations, self-fulfillment, self-expression, self-actualization. Uh, we are a culture preoccupied with ourselves. But if we look in the, in the Bible, uh, we, we see that pride and selfishness are, are, are sin. Uh, it's just what it is. I, I learned early on growing up in Sunday school that, that uh, the, the, the middle letter right at the middle of sin is I. And so if we're focused on, on uh, pride and selfishness and not on humility, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're heading down the wrong path. Paul says here to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Pride and selfishness go completely against God's desires for how we are to live. The ultimate example uh, of, of being unselfish, of having that humble spirit, is, uh, is Jesus' example. Uh, there's a story of the, uh, a mother who was making pancakes one morning for her two kids. Uh, Kevin was age five and, and Ryan was age three. And, and the boys sitting at the island there began to argue about who was going to get the first pancake. And, and uh, mother, uh, their mother was, uh, was, thought this was a great time for a great moral lesson. And so she said, well, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. So Kevin, the older, turned to his brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. It doesn't come naturally. We want to be focused in on ourselves and what we can get. Pride is so often at our core. We're, we're born with self-centered pride. It, it's, it's in our, it's our sin nature. We're, so, so changing our core to one of humility is vital to following Jesus. Jesus is our example. We, we didn't read it, but in the verses that follow it, it, it Paul says in verses 1 through 4 in Philippians 2, uh, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and he, he says all of that, and then he says, uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he, he quotes an old hymn of the church, uh, a hymn that, that predates the book of Philippians, and the book of Philippians is almost 2,000 years old. So this is an old hymn that sprang up right after Christ was uh, uh, had, had risen from the dead, and, and this hymn. Uh, that, that he quotes in Philippians chapter 2 says uh, um, Jesus Christ being in very nature 
God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be held onto or to be clung to. He didn't cling onto his godness, but, but uh, being found, he humbled himself and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth shall bow and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. Because Jesus' example was one of humility. He's God, for heaven's sakes. And yet he didn't cling to that. He had every right to cling to that. He was God. If there was anyone that could lord it over somebody, it would be Jesus. And yet he did not consider that something to be hung on to, but he made himself nothing. And he is our example. C.S. Lewis describes a truly humble person this way. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. He goes on to say that the first step to developing humility is to realize that one is proud. Realize that you're proud. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed, he says. What do we value? Investing in relationships. How? By developing unity and humility. It might look like uh, being vulnerable in a, in, a, in a life group or a Sunday school class or, or with a couple of close Christian friends and, and sharing uh, what, what, what God is doing or what you're struggling with. It, it, it might mean uh, thinking about and praying for each other even when you're not here and you think about those, those folks that, are, that, that, that you know are sitting down the aisle or, 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 or sitting, uh, sitting across from you in, in class and, and you, you know what they're going through and so you're going to pray for them. Maybe you're going to call them up or text them or, or, or send a message. Send a message of some sort. You're going to connect with them throughout the week because we're developing uh, deep-spirited friendships. We're investing in relationships. It'll mean celebrating people's successes and commiserating uh, with with those who are in need. It it might mean uh, providing resources to people that that, that might need something at at this time. Uh, it, It will mean truly investing time and effort in people's lives, being present and available because we are deep spirited friends. At the core of who we are as a church is not only developing an intimate relationship with God, but it is also investing in, making every effort to develop uh, unity and humility so that we can have deep-spirited friendships. As we think about that, we can't only be focused on relationships that are here as a part of the church though, right? I mean, it's very easy for a church to become ingrown and, and focused on ourselves. We, we find encouragement and love and support and it feels good here. And so, so we, we just pour ourselves into these relationships and, and, and that's important. But, but as, uh, as the, uh, those of us got together and were thinking about, well, what is at the core? What is fundamental to our church? It's not only relationships with each other, but also we're talking about investing in relationships who are not yet part of the church, who are not yet following Jesus. We live to love people to life doesn't just happen here in this place with with each of us, but Jesus has commissioned his followers uh, to go and make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, his last words in the gospel of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and I'm going to be with you throughout all of that. But he says go. He doesn't say Plan some services, put a sign up, 
get a kicking website and hope somebody shows up kind of described what we, the church, do a lot of the time. We have to intentionally go. We're investing in relationships, even with people who are far from God, perhaps especially with people who are currently far from God. Philippians 2, we've looked at the first four verses, then we looked at uh, that hymn that Paul quotes, and then the, the next couple of verses in, in verses 14 and 15, Philippians chapter 2, uh, it says this, do everything readily and cheerfully, no bickering, no second guessing allowed, go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Did you know we have a squalid and polluted society? I don't know if you knew that or not. Elections just happened, I don't know if you were aware, but anyway. We're not allowed to talk about that, are we? I don't know. Are we live? I don't know. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Are you a breath of fresh air in your world? Are you giving your neighbors and your coworkers and your fellow students a, a glimpse of good living and the living God? Are you carrying God's light into the night? I mean, we, we have to do this. This is at the core. This is part of who we are as followers of Christ. His very instructions were to go and make disciples. We have to be building relationships with people who are far from God so that they, so that they have a chance to know him like we do. It, it, Let's not make it harder than it is. I mean, sometimes we get a little bit wigged out here. We use big words like evangelism, and then we say, well, I'm not an evangelist, and I don't know that I can, I can do that. But uh, just talking about uh, being authentic. If, if, Jesus, if your relationship with Jesus is the number one thing in your life, and I hope it is, but if it is, if, if you're building that authentic relationship with God and that is the number one thing in your life, then, then as you live in the world where you live, it's probably going to come up. It's probably going to be noticed. I mean, if something is important to you, you'll talk about it. I mean, people do this all the time. If, if you find a great restaurant, you tell your friends about it. Oh, I had the best whatever at such and such a place. If, if you really enjoy a, a movie, you tell people about it and you let them know about it. If you really like your car or you find a great deal on shoes or you discover a new band, you spread the word, you tell people about it. We are evangelists for what we like. Kevin Harney uses these terms in his book, uh, uh, Organic Outreach for Ordinary People. And, uh, and, and he says, we're an evangelist, we're evangelists for what we like, uh, all the time. We do this all the time. So, so, so why are we so shy about sharing what is supposed to be the most important thing in our lives? Our, our authentic, deep, intimate relationship with God. Why are we shy about sharing our faith? I mean, it's possible to naturally share your faith in your relationships outside of this place. I think we're out of practice. I think it's hard. I'll be the first to say, uh, as a pastor, I'm, I'm pretty isolated from some of, from those relationships. Yeah, I'm a professional Christian, right? And so I just, you know, hang out with great people. And I need to be much more intentional about seeking relationships with people who are far from God so that I can help them develop a relationship with him. 
I mean, it's not just, it's not just that, 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 that it's possible to do this. I mean, we have to do this. This is, this is at the core. It's foundational. It, it's gotta be a part of who we are in our DNA. We're, we're, uh, developing an intimate relationship with God and we're investing in relationships with each other and with people who are not yet followers of Christ. So as a church, we want to be propelling and supporting each other as we go out into the world. Our goal is that, that in any given week, uh, I hope this becomes your goal. It's, it's, uh, it's becoming my goal. Uh, we want it to be each of our goal is that, that every week there will be at least one time. So one week, seven days, 24 hours a day at one point in that week. Uh, could it be, could you make it your goal that you are going to have spiritual influence in someone's life this week? And then next week, maybe you'll do it again. And then the next week, maybe you'll do it again. And so over the course of a year, you've had 52 times when you have had a spiritual influence in somebody's life. And now multiply that by the 60-some people that are here this morning. And you'll see that this is starting to maybe begin to develop what Jesus had in mind when he said, go and make disciples. I mean, actually, that goal is pretty low. I, I hope that this is naturally becoming part of, uh, of what we do and how we live, that, that, that we're having spiritual influence wherever we go and whatever we do one time a week is really pretty, uh, pretty you know, entry level, I guess. It can happen around the, the breakfast table in your home. It could happen online as you're talking with someone and connecting. It could happen at work or at school or... or uh, a drug mart, uh, wherever. It could happen, uh, but, but we need to be, wherever we go, we are about investing in relationships with people. It, it's much more, doing, doing it that way, thinking about it that way, I think is much more effective than, than a program or, or an elaborate church outreach strategy. I, I mean, we'll, we'll have programs and, and uh, do some strategizing and all those kinds of things, but, but we're just looking, each one of us, as we live day to day, we're looking for how God wants to use us to influence people uh, that, that are around us, right in our world, right now, influence them toward him, and, and, and that's how it's supposed to work. We're living this out. And so we, we intentionally, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but we don't have a whole lot clogging up your calendar, and that's not just because we're lazy. <laughs> it, we try, we're trying intentionally not to over-schedule ourselves with, with church activities and, and meetings and, and all these sorts of things. It's not so that you have more time to binge-watch whatever on Netflix. Oh, the church, yeah, we don't need to go to church, let's dive into intentionally i hope that as as we as we do that our intention is not to overschedule you so that you have time to connect with people who are far from god so that maybe you'll have your neighbors over for dinner so that maybe you'll be uh, you'll be able to intentionally connect with maybe you're going to join a a group or or practice your hobby with with someone else or or whatever the case might be you're going to you're going to invest in and you're going to have time to invest in relationships so as we think is if this is part of our core our relation investing in relationships then we can't just be about scheduling everything you're so busy that you don't have time to invest in relationships we we want to one thing intentionally that we do is to free up that time so that you can have time to do that. We also want to equip you uh, to, to be more and more comfortable making those spiritual connections. And, and so we'll be uh, doing things like, well, in the next session of our, of our life groups, one of the groups is, is going to be walking through, I just mentioned the book a few minutes ago, our, our church board is walking through it right now, Organic Outreach for Ordinary People. 
I'm an ordinary people. And, uh, and, and I think we're probably all ordinary people. And, and it kind of brings it down to earth and says, this is how, this is some practical things. So we want to provide things like that. And uh, well, how do I do this? Well, well, we want to equip you to be able to feel more and more comfortable doing that. And we want you to be praying for opportunities. For that, we want to be praying together for those opportunities. Our, our church board has has uh, given uh, given each other uh, at least one name of someone in our lives that that is far from God, and we're praying for those people together. Not just when we meet, but but we're praying uh, for those people and for each other that we'll have opportunities to pour into those lives, and and that should be happening. We 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 uh, we want to be praying. We want to be equipping. We want to be providing space for you to connect with people so that those people can connect with God. And we want to hear your stories of how God is using you in people's lives. You can send a message and, and uh, we've sent surveys before and we'll keep doing that. I think the best way for this to happen is as you're gathering in groups and, and, and I think our, our, our classes and groups should have time for us to, to share with each other and say, hey, this cool thing happened or be praying for my friend. I was able to say a little something but I'm not sure where it's going to go. And, and, and we gather and we share and we talk and, and, and we lift each other up and these things we should be, we're encouraged by the story. I, I don't know, when I hear a story of somebody that, that stepped out of their comfort zone and was courageous and spoke up for God, it boosts a little courage in me to be, be courageous and speak up for God. And so we need to be sharing those in the foyer, in the, in the, uh, as you're, you're waiting in line when you go out to eat together, be sharing these things. What is God doing in your life and through your life? Investing in relationships is at the core of who we are. I hope it's at the core of who you are. Or I hope that you're leaning in that direction and will be more and more that way. So dive deep into the relationships with people here at church so that you can be strengthened and supported. And follow the Spirit's leading and develop relationships with with people who are far from God. So that we are constantly reconnecting and, and, and uh, reproducing what God is doing in our life. I, I hope that you know that, that even as Jesus commissioned his disciples, he commissioned in that moment the church, which extends to us today. Will you bow with me? Father God, help us to take your commissioning seriously, that we will go and make disciples. Lord, that happens uh, through the relationships that we have here in this place and we are encouraged and strengthened and we receive power and energy as we gather and, and we rub off of each other and we, we share with each other and we, we, uh, we, we laugh together and we cry together and we pray together and, and we worship together and, and all those things happen here in a place like this. Lord, I pray that, that we won't just leave our faith here but that we will recognize that you go with us to be the living embodiment of who you are in the world where we live, in our homes. Maybe that's the hardest place. In our, in our workplace, where sometimes it's not a natural thing to, to live for you. In our school, where uh, it seems pretty dark sometimes. Lord, wherever we find ourselves, I pray that we can embody what it means to live for you. And that we can be looking for those opportunities that you uh, bring along our path to have a spiritual influence in the lives of the people around us. (laughs) So that they can experience the abundant life that we have found. Help us to love people to life, even this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.